Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Heart of Markness podcast. Actually, I think it's more like the 65th episode I've done, counting the Patreon episodes and the bonus ones. But of the straight old, good old-fashioned Heart of Markness, episode 54. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. How you guys holding up? The last two bonus quarantine episodes of mine were a little bit off the rails. Music was good, <clears throat> which is something I can always rely on, because even if I'm, I'm not feeling it, or I'm super stoned, or I'm grumpy, or I just don't have the energy, as long as the music is good, it's a decent podcast. Tonight we have a decent podcast. We have, um, it's a callback. It's a callback to the first episode, in a way. Um, I'm going back to Copenhagen, 1979, July 24th, because both of those shows, the 23rd and the 24th, are remarkable. <clears throat> They're kick-ass, and they, they show a Zeppelin and a Jimmy on fire, fluid, clear-minded, focused. Um, the, the cliche about these song about these shows, rather, is that Jimmy's playing like it's 1973. And in ways he is. Um, when I listen to it, what I hear is a guy with something to prove. And when Jimmy has something to prove, he pulls it together. Um, like the arms show. The Royal Albert Hall show on the, the 20th and 21st, I think, of, of September 1983. His first emergence into the public eye post-Zeppelin. He he kicked ass. As much as he could, he kicked ass. Focused, ready, knew what he was going to play, knew what he was going to do. And, you know, listened to the episode, I think, a couple before this, or maybe, I don't know. Very not long ago, I did one of uh, these shows, and you hear it, and he is way more together than he is when he gets on the road to the United States Arms Tour, where he's way more of a train wreck. And um, train wreck may be a little harsh, but, I mean, the guy was, uh, you can see a video of him standing next to Paul Rogers, and Jimmy's got blood dripping out of his nose guess why and paul rogers is like yeah we're gonna do some you got some blood there mate um i think he went back i think there's the nerves of like we have to prove ourselves like zeppelin did at the copenhagen shows that pulls them together and focuses like they did when they first started touring the states as nobodies and just you know take it seriously get your shit together train and blow the doors off the place and then you know once you get on tour then it, it kind of devolves into rock and roll lifestyle again in any case, in any case, the year is 1979. The month is July. The date is the 24th. The country is Denmark, right? Yes, Denmark. Sorry, I'm American. My geography uh, is lacking. Copenhagen, Denmark. Mermaids, right? Um, <clears throat> Zeppelin is gearing up to play the Nebworth Festival on August 4th and then later August 11th. 1979. Giant, giant, giant open-air festival. Hundreds of thousands of people. It's on the Led Zeppelin DVD. Jimmy wears the white pants and the blue shirt. 
good stuff. Um, and, but in order to get ready for that and to kind of kick the tires aside from just rehearsing, they had a series of kind of open rehearsals, dress rehearsals, as it were, at the Falconer Theater in Copenhagen, Denmark. And turn the volume down a little bit. Um, hot mic. There we go. That's a little better. Um, this is these dates, the 23rd and the 24th of July. 79 are the first dates that Zeppelin has played publicly in exactly two years that nurses do it better shirt that Robert Plant wears that's at Oakland um, either the 23rd or the 24th of July 1977 these are the last shows that Zeppelin plays before um, the tragic loss of, of Robert's son which you know understandably puts things on hold and in an indefinite state. Um, Bonzo kept in touch with Robert. Jimmy and Jonesy gave him his space, um, which may or may not have contributed to some tension later on. But if anything, I think the time away from the band kind of showed Robert the dysfunction of it because he stepped out of it to deal with something that was objectively, objectively awful. Worst thing ever. Loss of a child. My God. So he comes back with a fresh perspective and maybe sees that things aren't going so hot. Swan Song isn't being managed or run hardly at all. Um, and it was supposed to be the giant. I mean, they were they were courting John Lennon to sign, for goodness sake. But um, anyway, the band got together after taking a hiatus. In May of 1978, Clearwell Castle, somewhere in Wales, I believe, and um, rehearsed some new material. They worked on Carousel Umbra, which is really great live. I mean, in the open rehearsal hall, it sounds really badass. And a song called that, that we, the fans, call Fire, that was never developed further as far as we can tell, certainly never professionally released. And uh, basically, they got back together and still had the magic, and everybody was smiling at the end of it. And, uh, you know, Robert declared that he did not want to go on long tours anymore. And that's understandable. Because think of it, it's 1977, there's no internet. You know, you get a call at your hotel. In New Orleans, I think they were. Um, Get, playing the Superdome, I believe, shortly there, soon. But get a call, and then you have to get back to England by plane. And I think he even flew commercial. I think the the uh, I, I think the the Zeppelin pilots weren't didn't have the certifications or something, so he had to fly like first class. <clears throat> Bonzo went with him, I understand, and actually just kind of held him. Just hand on his knee kind of thing. Like, it's all right, mate. We'll get you there. Bonzo was a solid friend, and that's magnificent. And, um, God, why am I talking about this morbid stuff? I'm talking about this morbid stuff because it sets the stage for the relevance of the show I'm playing you. Now, the very first episode of The Heart of Markness features this show, and a much more reserved and quiet Mark. Hi, I'm Mark. This is The Heart of Markness. That was me back then. Uh, <laughs> I've come into my own a little bit more, but, um, 
you can listen to that first episode. There's a lot of good information there. I did lots of research. I was uh, I was trying to do super Ken Burnsy, Dan Carlin level history Zeppelin podcast at the beginning, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of research and takes forever. And um, those are going to be more fewer and farther between and and more relevant. But every week we're going to just do shows and songs because it's fun and it makes you happy. It makes me happy. Yes, that's a dog barking outside. Her name is Penelope. So this show can be listened to in tandem with the very first episode. I'm not going to overlap songs. The very first episode plays my favorite 10 years gone of all time. And in my opinion, the best performed version of 10 years gone Jimmy has ever done. And it also plays my favorite. No quarter. The nice 10 minute tight. No quarter played by a very fluid, clear minded, nimble fingered Jimmy. These shows kick ass, folks. Basically, they're playing at the Falconer Theater to try out the the set list, do a dress rehearsal, maybe the lights and things like that. It's a small theater, uh, fewer than 2000 people, I believe. So that's ridiculous are in this little theater seeing Led Zeppelin. And they came out, and they've been practicing, they've been rehearsing, taking it very seriously. It was very important for them to succeed, because Robert was on board, but he wasn't on board 100%. He was okay with the Nebworth festivals, but he was not okay with anything after that involving touring. And, I mean, at this point, I think after being away for a year and having a little bit of um, an estrangement from... Jimmy, you know, and if if there is no bad blood over the whole Jimmy not going to Carrick's funeral thing, then there just may be awkwardness and discomfort at Robert coming from a way different place than Jimmy at that point. My understanding is Robert had given up the rock and roll partying stuff. You know, I don't know what that means. If there, I mean, I'm sure being the 70s, there was it was a relative scale. I mean, I'm sure he still drank and maybe smoked reefer and did a little bit of toot now and again. I don't know. But I know he was much healthier and had his feet more on the ground than some of the other members of the band at the time who were struggling with addiction issues in a time before the rehab movement, the Betty Ford Clinic. I don't know if there was a Betty Ford Clinic or if it was just Betty Ford and rehab. I don't know. In any case, Zeppelin was not quite the united front that it had been. Um, they, they, may, they may not have been the band of brothers that they once were. But they were for this show, and they were for Nebworth, the first one. And uh, you can hear it. They're kind of anomalous because you're hearing a very nimble fingered Jimmy with a really nice guitar sound. Because it's a small theater and he's probably just playing through some marshals through the PA. If that, it's it's magnificent to hear a nimble, clear-minded Jimmy with a nice guitar tone playing newer songs like Nobody's Fault But Mine or Achilles' Last Stand or In the Evening, even. In the Evening was, was unveiled here. I was going to play it tonight. But it just doesn't translate live. And even a good version, um, at least this didn't make the cut 
to be worth the extra 10 minutes of the show for me. You'll be able to hear this. I'm going to upload this link, upload the show. You'll be able to get this whole show and listen to it to your heart content. I have what is supposedly the best iteration of this show. Um, I believe there's only one source, but I think this is a master or a first gen off the master that was then remastered by somebody called Pseudonym. Clever, clever, clever. And on the uh, on the forums, their name is actually Sue, S-U-E, Dunim, but it's Pseudonym. Really clever. And it took me like three years before I got that joke. Because sometimes I'm not on the ball. But Zeppelin were at this show. So you have a tan, rested, and ready Led Zeppelin coming out on stage. Small theater, like local theater. Just a couple thousand people. Tops. Tops. And that is, you can hear it. You can, you can hear it in the audience recording. The audience recording is very, very, very good. Um, I would say maybe excellent minus. Very good plus. It's a clear recording because it is low gen. It was recorded from the balcony of the Falconer Theater. And uh, if it's anything like, say, the, the Schnitz here in Portland that's fairly and you can hear that distance it's a little it's 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 a little bit farther farther back but he used excellent microphones draped over the railing of the balcony to give a nice stereo spread and he recorded onto a ewer reel-to-reel recorder and reel-to-reels fantastic fidelity because they're thick and they go fast and they record a lot of information as opposed to a cassette which you're working with a 16th of an inch you know, per channel. The reel-to-reel has, um, God, twice that, at least, I believe. If it's Yeah, it's definitely wider. It's like, I don't know. Now I'm just getting in my own head. Better quality, better fidelity is a better rig. I had a reel-to-reel, a Sony. I bought it at a yard sale in my teens and uh, knew nothing about electronics, but I knew a lot about cleaning tape heads. So went at it with the uh, isopropyl and Q-tips and just cleaned the shit out of the heads, the path, the rollers. And boy, did it sound good. Oh, my God. I loved that thing. All right. What are we going to listen to, Mark? We're 14 minutes in and you haven't played a goddamn song. You're right. And I apologize. I apologize, y'all. What I'm going to play for you, I'm not going to play 10 Years Gone and No Quarter because we've already dealt with that. You want to hear that? Listen to episode one or download the show. What I am going to play are just some good old songs. I'm going to play Celebration Day because Jimmy played it with his double neck like he did on the 71 tour. Right after Song Remains the Same, which I'm not going to play. So we've got a good Celebration Day. And you're going to like, you're going to hear this because you're going to hear Jimmy playing like Jimmy Page again. And, you know, you know what I mean. There's latter days up and there's early days up and, you know, graded on the curve. Jimmy has brilliant moments. No, no, there's none of that stuff of like Jimmy was really good for trampled underfoot, but lost it for the rest of the show kind of thing like you get in, in the 77 and onward. No, this is top to bottom. Jimmy is fit and fine and clear-eyed and wailing. So we're going to hear a fun, fun celebration day. July 24th, 1979, almost 41 years ago. See you in a few. 
See? Nice. It's interesting. It's really interesting to hear the dinosaur behemoth, most powerful, popular band in the world, Led Zeppelin, playing in such a small venue. I mean, you can hear the individual people clapping. You can hear the individual people yelling. And as soon as the, the, the roar of the audience fades, like, yay! And as soon as it backs down, then you're just like, yeah! Clap, clap, clap. You know, you're hearing individual, you know, the meat of the hands together kind of thing in a very small venue, in a very small place. And it lends an intimacy to the performance that um, at times it's awkward because it's kind of like, um, you know, doing the whole rock star moves, doing the rock star stage show, the one that you're going to be doing for 100,000 people, 200,000 people in the next week, but doing it in a theater, you know, the grand gestures and the grand movements, it may seem a little much. But the performance is fucking crazy good. I mean, that was good old Jimmy Page. That was the Jimmy we know and love. No grading on the curve necessary. No qualifiers. Like, he was playing great for 77. You know, that's like saying she looks good for her age. Um, no. He looks good. He's playing fine. Love it. So what are we going to do next, Mark? Next, we're going to go into another old chestnut that's fun, fun, fun. Over the hills and far away. And um, some people actually, bootleg folks, when they're when they're evaluating a performance, they use over the hills to kind of like, well, all right, what are, what are we get what are we getting ourselves into tonight? What kind of night are we gonna have? Cause sometimes Jimmy does not pull it off. Sometimes Robert doesn't pull it off. But um Jimmy pulls it off tonight. And again, I like his tone. Just the Les Paul Marshall tone, not that processed 77 sound, not that brittle, brittle, thin, fragile sound of the 80 soundboards. This is a good old Gibson plugged into a Marshall into a mic. So let's listen to it over the hills and far away. Thank you. 
I like that. I like hearing Jimmy Page back in command of the instrument. And I mean, he's always awesome. He's always Jimmy Page. Yes, 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 yes. But it is undeniable that there was a, a dropping off from 75 to 77. And then from like the 11th, the second Nebworth concert, the second Nebworth concert is shameful. It is just shameful. And then, I mean, so there is a qualitative difference with uh, Mr. Page. And on this night, he was in it to win it. And it sounds good. Bonzo sounds a little restrained, um, but he's there. He has some nice fills. He's playing. I mean, I guess the thing that strikes me is hearing Zeppelin playing in a, in a hall that's that's small. Um, and it's just a rehearsal. Um, it's not like that's all they could do. The other shows that we've heard from similar venues were of a much younger Zeppelin who were communing more with the audience and relating more to the audience. And I mean, and this is something that all the bands went through in the in as as the 70s rolled on and they went from being kids to being men in their 30s and you know jimmy's in his mid-30s here totally not a big deal but the people going to the shows i mean you can hear in the audience people are clapping the songs they know yay i know that song yay but this is not a concert full of diehard zeppelin fans that's a concert full of Zeppelin fans, for sure, but the kind of Zeppelin fans that would also see Motorhead the next night and Saxon and things like that as well. Again, nothing wrong with that. It's not a value judgment, but it's it sounds to the, the vibe and the energy from the audience sounds like an audience that is just there because, hey, you know, Led Zeppelin's playing. What? Yeah, Led Zeppelin's playing in town at the tiny, tiny little theater. Holy shit, I'm going. Because who wouldn't? You know, that would be like if you 2 or whoever the kids are listening to these days, Harry Styles, I don't know, I'm way out of my depth, were having an open rehearsal at a thousand, like at the Schnitz downtown in Portland. If, you know, I could pay 30 bucks and go see you 2 or whoever, whoever's selling out arenas anymore. You know what I mean. Michael Jackson? I don't know. <laughs> Justin Bieber? So it's more of an opportunistic audience. And again, these are young people. You remember, I remember when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, going to shows. You know, when I went to see Foreigner and Night Ranger... I didn't go because, oh my God, I love Foreigner and Night Ranger so much. It was because, oh, for 15 bucks, I'll go see Foreigner and Night Ranger. Foreigner's all right. Night Ranger's all right. So it's that kind of thing, as opposed to like, I love Foreigner so much. <sighs> Anywho, it, it fascinates me. It fascinates me, these shows. Because the sound is clear, the sound is so good, everybody's playing well, and Jimmy is obviously on it. Robert doesn't seem to be shining that brightly. And I wonder if it, I mean, his voice is fine, but I mean, um, here's what it feels like, I think. It feels like they're doing a job. 
instead of playing. I mean, I think Jimmy and Jonesy and Bonzo play when they're in good spirits like they are here. They're playing. But I think Robert's doing a gig. Like, I have to go do this thing. And being a professional about it. But, you know, remember that beautiful um, Blueberry Hill show from 1970? Where the band are playing Thank You and the audience is completely in sync with them. And it is the ocean. And it is communion. And it is all that hippy-dippy shit. It's not here. People are going to see an act. Zeppelin are coming out, performing an act, doing it very well. People applaud. The band bows, goes home. They split four different ways. That's the vibe I get. And it's a little sad. And maybe it's a maturation. It's natural. I mean, the Stones at this point were kind of like that. They had a resurgence. But 1978 Rolling Stones is not 1972-73 Rolling Stones. And 78 Rolling Stones, the Some Girls Tour, is good. But it doesn't grab you the way a nice Mick Taylor Stones show can back in the day. It's, it's a different. I don't know. It's, it's, it's uh, missing something ephemeral. Soul? Spirit? I don't know. But in any case, I don't know why I'm shitting on it, because it's excellent. That's what it is. It, this is an excellent performance, full of energy, full of fluidity. During a time when that's not where the band was generally at. There. Jesus. Sorry, guys. You know, I had a um, a migraine a few days ago on Monday night. And I've, I've only had a handful of them in my life. And um, I'm lucky in that they don't necessarily hurt. They just kind of fuck me up. Like I saw the aura, which is looked like somebody tore a hole in reality, a jagged hole that was full of uh, TV static. Looked exactly like that. Profoundly disturbing the first time it ever happened. Um, which is like, hey, guess what? You're going to have a, you're going to not feel good soon. So I went upstairs, took a nap, woke up a couple hours later and was just not right. Just like, um, I wasn't set properly in my socket. <laughs> and I'm still kind of feeling that. So I apologize, guys, for, uh, being long-winded and scattered. Um, I'm not 100% back. But Led Zeppelin is at this show, and let's listen to a song that I don't like in the latter-day version, but I do on this show, Since I've Been Loving You. It's not the same iteration and arrangement as it was in 70, well, from the start through like 73, or those couple times they played it in 75, maybe just once, I don't remember. It's it's a new it's a newer arrangement. It's what they played at the reunion and on the Page Plant tour. It's that version, but it is very good. It's really neat to hear, and I like hearing it in this hall. The sound is really nice. So here is 1979 Latter Day Led Zeppelin playing "Since I've Been Loving You" with 1973 Nimble Fingers Jimmy Page. Kinda enjoy it. It is very very good, and man. One of my holy grails would be to hear a soundboard of this show. And you know they had one since it's a rehearsal for Nebworth. They obviously taped it so they could listen to it and evaluate it and see what works and what doesn't. And man, I would love for that to see the light of day. But until then, we have this wonderful audience recording. All right, since I've been loving you, see you in a few.
while that was playing and I was listening to it, I was reading some uh, press reviews of the concert the night before on the 23rd, which is excellent. And um, one of these days I'll feature it. It doesn't sound quite as good just to, it, to my ears, but um, and there are some delays and some equipment problems, but the playing is just as good. Um, and man, some of the press releases like from the NME, the New Music Express, just shit on them. Just was like it was pathetic. It was awful. The lights were good. John Bonham's insensitive drumming, John Paul Jones's pseudo classical pastiche. It was just tearing them apart. Oh my god. That's what they were up against. The press, the British press. It wasn't cool to like Led Zeppelin and the old dinosaur bands, so you just you shit on them because everything was punk and new wave and uh silly. But that <clears throat> song was very, very good. What I like about it is Jimmy, he's in control. There's not many bum notes. And if there are, they're just natural like they happen, not because he's fucked up or not paying attention. And not much noodling. Um, like in 1980, when they play this, a lot of times it sounds like he's just out of ideas, man. For us, for somebody who relies so much on improvisation, you know, when the bucket's empty, that's when you have to rely on your technical prowess and your chops and practice. And he wasn't practicing. He was Jimmy Page. So if the inspiration wasn't there, then, I mean, the native, the native ability was, was compromised. But that was excellent. I love Jimmy when he's going. He was excellent in control of all his bends. When he's bending the strings to go for those notes, he was dead on with nice vibrato. And when he's playing high up on the neck, those fast little bit, they're distinct. He's pulling them off. It's not just a flurry of noise like it got to be later on or even in 77. You know, and that's something he was famous with in my mind in the firm when he would play live. He would use a, um, I don't know if it was a chorus pedal or a flange, or maybe both. Just something to muddy up. You can hear it on the Live Aid when he's playing rock and roll and stuff. There's that going on. And what it does is it just kind of blurs the music a little bit so that it sounds kind of cool and a little ethereal. But it also covers up, it covers up imprecise playing. And he doesn't have to do that in this show. And it is beautiful, and I love it for that um all right we're 47 minutes in what am i gonna play you man do i play you achilles no i'm not gonna play achilles last stand because i don't want this to go much over an hour it's a nice ver that's the thing it's it's not the a definitive version it's an excellent version because everybody's playing well but it's not a oh my god you have to hear this version um so you can download that off the website. Let's go into Whole Lot of Love. Now, this is the first, well, I guess they only played a, played a couple of, but um, at Nebworth and at the 1988 Atlantic Reunion, they play a part in the middle of Whole Lot of Love that's completely different from any other time they played it. It's a... And this is the very first show where they roll that out. They didn't play a whole lot of love the night before. They closed with rock and roll. Um, so this is a whole lot of love, 1979. This is kind of the Nebworth version, the warm-up, and it sounds badass. 
It sounds badass. I really like it. Listen to these boys go for it.
really interesting it's this is such an interesting (laughs) show for me because on one hand jimmy is on it nimble fingers everything he's going for he is succeeding at he's he's not making any uh clunkers and the 10 years gone that he pulls off is sublime it really really is listen to that Download this show from my website, heartofmarkness.com, when I put it up there, which will hopefully be tonight. And listen to listen to 10 Years Gone. That is a perfect, perfect song. And he just nails it like he never, ever had and never, ever will again. It was just unbelievable because it was crafted. But the dexterity that he had, <clears throat> every run he did, he pulled off. 
And it's similar with this. Everything he did, he pulled off. There was some hesitancy in the song because this was a brand new arrangement. The first time they'd played it live. Plus, they hadn't played in two years. So there's that. The natural cues that you develop as you tour and play together. You know, they're rusty. So they know the songs. But it's kind of like um, when they get lost in Kashmir, which they, they often did. Because it is so repetitive, you have to really keep track of it. Because you can easily be like, is this where we... Nope, nope, nope. Um, you kind of hear that here through the new part. And then going for like Jimmy's last solo. That whole last little flourish, which he plays impeccably. His tone is good. Everything he plays is beautiful. There's just a touch of hesitancy because I'm sure there's a little bit of like, is this where I jump in? Is this where it goes? And then Bonzo finally reads it and does a flourish to be like, and we're off. Um, Maybe Jimmy was waiting for Bonzo. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. But um, again, it's not a fuck up. Just you can hear a touch of hesitancy in the music. But, you know, by the end of it, by the time they got back to way down inside, which he did a million times, but he did it a million times to pull in that audience and get them in sync because you could hear it. By the time he got to like the last one, Jimmy's playing along, Bonzo's playing along perfectly, and then um, the audience is singing it. And you hear it goes from a couple people, you know, 30% of the people singing it, 40% of the people singing it to everybody. And then they go, boom, right back into a whole lot of love. And it has an extra punch. And Bonzo's playing with flourishes and energy and confidence. And Jimmy's playing with a swagger. Because for that last little bit of that song, they were Led Zeppelin again. All the way. Like the good old days. Because the audience was locked in and everybody in that place was into it. And the boys were too. And it was really, really made me really happy. So I guess it's a bittersweet, kind of like seeing a couple that separated and reconciled, but it's not the same. Or we're together again, but you're like, oof, this isn't going to last because that spark is gone. I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading it. Let me know. Hell of a show. Hell of a show. I highly recommend it. Especially, especially if you like latter-day Led Zeppelin because you get you get top-shelf Jimmy Page Bonzo's playing well by the night by by uh, the latter half of the 1980 tour Bonzo's just phoning it in he's having a rough time he is just keeping the time and you can hear a little bit of that here um, but I don't think it's a matter of him being just too exhausted or fucked up or whatever I think it's just a matter of they're taking it easy they're they're professionals I mean, he is playing it for sure. But you could see like even the Nebworth show, he's playing it. He has whole style change. Everything was in his wrists now. It's not flailing his arms. Oh, incredible technique. All right, everybody. We just broke an hour. Thank you for listening. I hope you like this. Follow me on Twitter, Heart of Markness. Talk to me. We'll be friends. Follow, uh, join the Facebook group. The Heart of Markness Facebook group. There's a bunch of people there, and everybody's really nice. And if you're listening to this, that means you most likely like Led Zeppelin, or at least classic rock. So jump in there. You'll be among dozens of folks who are really nice, love Led Zeppelin, love classic rock, very knowledgeable, very generous, 
And it's a cool place to hang out if you're on Facebook, you know. And it's the first place that gets the posting of the podcast by like a minute, but still. Then there's heartofmarkness.com, where, as I mentioned, I post the podcasts. I post the show that the podcast is about where applicable. Sometimes I don't do it if it's if it's unorthodox, but this is just fine. I will put this up. You'll be able to download this complete concert, not just the songs we listen to and listen to it to your heart's content because it is very, 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 very good. And it's good for your soul. So this was a neat one. Thank you for this. Thank you for listening. This is one of my favorite Zep shows, but it is so in a league of its own, in a league of its own. It's it's um, kind of a chimera. And uh, man, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's in great quality. And I'm glad you listened to it. And if you want to be, oh, my patrons, my patrons, my beloved patrons. If you like this podcast and you're in a place to and feel like supporting it, you are welcome to do so. Go to patreon.com slash heart of Markness. That sounds pretty good, right? And here are the people that keep the lights on in this place. Avi, Bill, Danielle, David, Other David, Mark, Mimo, Peter, and Tracy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. These guys help pay for the hosting on SoundCloud. They help pay for the hosting of the website. They help to pay for the uh, mega site I have where I host the shows where you can get them for free, etc., etc. They keep the lights on. They help me out. And if you become a patron, you will legitimately be helping me out and bettering my life, for which I thank you. But you can always listen for free because it's a free podcast. But if you are a patron, you get an extra podcast a month that no one else gets because you'll be better than them. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. And uh, I'll try and get a couple of bonus quarantine episodes in in the meantime to help keep everybody from going bonkers. Thank you. Bye-bye.